Hello and welcome to Casting Nets, a podcast about real life and living faith. This is also the first podcast that will be broadcast on another podcasting platform called Raised with Jesus, where the life of Jesus meets yours. So we welcome our Raised with Jesus listeners to the Casting Nets podcast, and we hope that those who are listening to the Casting Nets podcast will also uh, take advantage of the Raised with Jesus. It's a daily podcast. podcast. It's an amalgamation, a assortment of different podcasts during the day So, uh, of, from different sources. So it's a podcast every day talking about uh, where the life of Jesus meets yours. So we uh, hope that you take advantage of that. Today, I am in my own office. I think I've never had an, a podcast with a guest in my own office. And so I welcome uh, James Enderly uh, to our to the Casting Nets podcast. Uh, James, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you serve, how long you've been in the ministry. Tell us about your favorite sports teams, what you ate for breakfast yesterday. You can tell us about any of those things, all of those things, none of those things, but please introduce yourself. Sounds good. My name is James Enderly. I just um, celebrated the 10 years of ministry anniversary uh, at our congregation. So I've been in ministry for about 10 years. I've served uh, kind of all over the the, the place. Uh, I grew up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Was born in Nebraska, and uh, but spent a lot of my time in in Kansas City, Missouri. That's where I grew up. So I am a Chiefs fan and a Royals fan. So Chiefs have been pretty good lately. So that's good. And got to uh, enjoy a a Royals World Series a few years ago. That was when I was in China. So it's a little far away. But uh, I served eight years in uh, East Asia, and I lived in a, a city of about eight million people. Um, I was in Hangzhou, China, and um, there my my roles kind of changed a lot over those uh, almost eight years, but uh, my main main tasks were to, to learn Chinese and to really work with other lay missionaries, to plant churches, and to help uh, establish churches. Um, I met my wife over there. My wife, uh, Jen, uh, was serving as a, a lay missionary as well and also teaching. And uh, we got married there and had two kids while we were in China. And uh, they were born in, in Shanghai, which uh, is a city of about 25 million. And it's kind of funny sometimes when, when doctors or people will see uh, the birth certificates and they'll see that our kids are born in China, they'll ask if they're adopted. So it's kind of, and then, and then the kids come in and they're, they're, they're not Asian. So that also helps and is also confusing. So, um, yeah, I've been married to my wife, Jen, for about, uh, six years, over six years. And, uh, we have a, a son who's five daughter, who's two. And I say that she's going on about 10. Um, she's, talking a mile a minute and uh she's almost three but all, almost in size four clothes already and then i have a that's a, like a rude child yeah <laughs> and then a, a newborn not a new well he's almost seven months old uh and he's a smiley smiley one so and uh life has changed quite a bit i've been uh i'm serving in morrison zion our address is actually greenleaf uh, which is somewhat confusing and we say we're about 30 minutes from everywhere 
We're actually only 10 minutes from Shirley, so that's confusing too. But uh, we're 30 minutes south of Green Bay, 30 minutes east of Appleton, and 30 minutes west of Manitowoc. So kind of 30 minutes from from everywhere. And life has changed a little because we, we were living in a, a city of about 8, 9 million people, and now uh, we live in a place that is not a town, really. <laughs> and don't have a lot of neighbors. And I was reminded this morning of snow and winter in Wisconsin and how uh, you have to choose to, to go on the main roads. Yes, right. Your your routes change as the win- the seasons change as well. Yep. Um, so we are, I wanted to, before we uh, continue any further, to give a shout out to my brother, Jonathan, who gave us the, this equipment. He and his wife did a podcast called uh, Moving to Attend. You can still listen to them. It's a podcast on marriage and relationships. So movingtoattend.com, all of his equipment is what we're using today. It is substandard equipment compared to what Will Harley has at St. John and Maribel. So I look forward to having another podcast with you, James, with Will Harley, because uh, Will Harley's got the... Uh, podcasting equipment here is is the amateurs amateurs uh, podcasting equipment and speaking of amateurs as we are uh, talking about the topic today just a little disclaimer we're you're joining a conversation between two pastors and so we hold ourselves to the Lutheran confessions we hold we want to lift high uh, Jesus Christ as our our living Savior but we are just thinking out loud. So the things that we say may not be the positions of our churches or our church body or even really ourselves because we're having a conversation. If we're going to have a conversation, that means we might change our minds on something or you might change your minds or we might change our minds in the future as we're thinking about this topic. So dear listener, as you're listening and uh, you have a difficulty of what's something that we say, we uh, encourage you to reach out to us. You can talk to us. Um, you can send an email to castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook and communicate with us that way. You can come to church at Morrison Zion or Emmanuel Lutheran in Shirley and see us face-to-face. Most of our interactions are when people talk to us face-to-face, or you can listen to something else. So those are all of your options. We encourage you to do all of them <laughs> or one of them. Uh, just respond. This uh, podcast isn't just for us to proclaim, but also to have a conversation with people who are out there, uh, who are listening, and uh, who want to talk about this, these topics that we're talking about. Our topic for today is what does it mean to be a member, uh, a membership, uh, maybe reevaluating what does it mean to be a member of a congregation because of uh, various factors. So without further ado, let's go uh, and do our music, and then we'll go right into our topic. The reason that uh, Will Harley really isn't here today is that he didn't read the book that James and I read. James and I attended a Growing in Grace conference at Fox Valley Lutheran High School. It's a satellite summer quarter in the middle of fall uh, at uh, Fox Valley Lutheran High School, and it was a topic on discipleship. I did a podcast uh, before about the things that I learned from discipleship. James sat behind me as we had this uh, seminar, and uh, we both read a book called I Am a Church Member by Tom how do you say his last name? Rainer? Tom Rainer. Rainer, yeah. And his congregation is reevaluating what it means uh, and encouraging its members to reevaluate what it means to be a member at Morrison Zion. So um, without further ado, James, why don't you walk us through the basic tenets of the book 
and uh, and how you're planning on using it. Yeah, the the book uh, is is called I'm a Church Member, and it has uh, six parts to it where it, it talks about uh, different uh, things that uh, a member will do. And uh, this this book is actually fairly familiar to our congregation. Uh, my co-pastor uh, can can explain a little bit about our congregation too. I've been there about two and a half years, uh, but uh, my co-pastor has been there for uh, eighteen years or so. And about somewhere between four to five years ago, he did a uh, sermon series on this book, and had also a, what we called at that time the Living Waters, our home Bible study groups, where they did the the sermons, but then they went home and in their, their homes went through this book. Uh, what we're going to do with this book is it's going to be uh, brought into a kind of a seminar that we're, we're going to be doing where we're um, assimilating, but also bringing in new members and old members to, to remind people and to reevaluate what it means to be a member. And so this, this book is helpful because it, I mean, it's called uh, I'm a Member, and and it focuses on uh, six different parts. Uh, the uh, the introduction is really nice because it talks about two members uh, that kind of have a, a different reaction to their church. It's the same church, but but one member is really active. The other one is kind of complaining and just is always finding issues with it. And he's leaving the church, and he's confused why this other guy is always serving and is just happy with the church. Well, yeah, what I appreciated about the book is that Tom Rainer is identifying an issue that uh, even in our statistical reports has uh, identified, and that is people are leaving membership of the church. So it's not just a, a Wells problem. It is a organized religion problem that people are losing their, uh, are losing their interest in becoming a member of a visible church. And so the, the six parts, maybe I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll read the six different parts. And uh, he goes through each part, and then he has a pledge at the end to, to kind of have the, the each, each member pledge and to focus on these and how they're going to, to keep doing this part of being a member. So the first one, I will be a functioning church member. I will be a unifying church member is number two. Three is I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. Four, I will pray for my church leaders. Uh, five, I will lead my family to be uh, healthy church members. And six, I will treasure church membership as a gift. So those are the, the six parts. Yeah, for part number one, a functioning church member, I think James and I have been talking about this in the class and also outside of the class, just the idea of, and my previous podcast on the, the lessons I learned about discipleship is just the the our cultural understanding of what does it mean to be a member of a congregation versus what the Bible describes, what it means to be a member of the Church of God. And one of, one of the points uh, that uh, that Dave brought up in, in his last podcast, uh, one of the, the marks and one thing that will come through uh, in this book in a lot of different ways was denying yourself. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see that in, in one of the, the other parts, but what does it mean to be functioning? Uh, how... Uh, do I, instead of being a member who sees the church as a country club where I am being served, uh, that, that's, that's our whole idea of, of being a member right now in the world is I pay dues, I have people that they come and serve me, and I get benefits from being a part of this. You think of your Costco membership, you think of 
uh, your gym membership, whatever. I, I pay these dues. I'm a part of this. Some of it's you know not something you have to pay for, but you're you're a member of this group, and they serve you. It's not so much of what I can do to serve, but how can I be served? That's that's really all our culture's view of membership. Yeah, and really during COVID, hasn't that really been heightened uh, with uh, online worshiping that congregations and pastors have been wrestling with? What does it mean to be a member? And, and members are saying, is this what it really? Is this all I need to do is just sit in front of a TV and watch? Well, then maybe I'd I'd rather do I'd watch something else. Um, it was uh, so for you, a dear listener, as you're listening and as you're thinking about um, thinking about what does it mean to be a member? It's more than just what do you receive. With uh, when when the online worship really ramped up and people were at home, one of the the themes that we tried to stress in our sermons and through our church was to not just be a consumer, but also to be an ambassador. Where maybe if you're at home and not able to come to worship or to serve in the same ways, I can still be an ambassador for Christ in different ways uh, to to be serving Christ, but. Uh, not just sit there and consume, not just, okay, I'm going to watch this and I'm done, but how do I serve uh, and be an ambassador to Christ in the rest of the world? So which uh, Bible classes would you would you highlight if someone were to say, well, being a member of a congregation just means that I uh, have a place where I get to baptize my kids and get married if I want to and get buried at the end of my life? What, what Bible passages would you uh, gear them towards so that what's, would lead them to say, oh, being a church member means I need to be functioning in some sort of way. We'd, I'd really stress 1 Corinthians 12, and we'd, we'd, look, we'd get into 1 Corinthians 13 as well uh, as we get into some of these other sections. But 1 Corinthians 12 is key, and the picture of being the body of Christ. Uh, it's so essential to, to all of this, because if I'm part of the body of Christ, I, I'm a, a body part that functions. And if one part is hurting or one part isn't contributing. Uh, if you your foot falls asleep and you try to stand up, it, it's not good, right? Um, or uh, you know how just the, the little parts of your body affect everything else. Your, your hearing with balance, your, your little toe, you don't notice it until you hurt it, right? But all these parts function together. And this is really important too with the diversity in the church. Uh, our body parts are very different. And so how uh, that that can be a point of of conflict that we'll we'll talk about in the other chapters but when we look at the body of Christ and how each member is 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 necessary and uh it, it, that's so essential yeah because we need each other because we are if if one thing covid has taught us is that we can't handle this all by ourselves uh one thing that covid has taught us about is how isolated sometimes we can feel and how God designed us to be part of a community. And so maybe before COVID, you were thinking, well, I just need to, I've, I've got my God and I don't need to be a part of a group. Um, I, I've got my Bible and I've got my God. I don't need anything else that perhaps uh, COVID has led us to see. And, and hopefully the scripture is also, most importantly, the scriptures also teach us to see that we are meant to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And, and when we think about working together and, and, and serving, and that this is a, is a bigger thing, sometimes when we look at the church, it's easy for people to say, uh, it, this is the job of the pastor. Uh, maybe evangelism uh, is an example. Okay, uh, the, the pastor's job is to go evangelize and to, to get people in the church. 
Well, one of the when when I'm working on this this new stu- study and seminar for assimilation, there's a, a great picture that I have uh, from another pastor that that speaks about evangelism, where it's it's got the members and then the pastor underneath it, and then the pastor's the one evangelizing. And how many people does that pastor reach? Not that many, but if you have kind of changed that, you flip it and put the pastor, you know, he's he's leading the church, but then you have the members who all the members are active and doing evangelism and serving, then how much more is your church going to grow if you have all of your church members functioning? If, if they're, they're sharing about Christ, if they're not just talking about church, but telling, telling people about Jesus and telling people about the hope that they have and the peace that they have, and what better thing do we need to give the world today than, than hope and peace? The, the world is in chaos in, in many ways, and people are looking for hope. And And if you as a Christian are, are functioning not just in the church, but in your daily life, then, then that's going to have a huge impact on your church. One of the key points that, that Rainer says is that churches are unhealthy because the, the members, in, the, in a sense, are unhealthy, that they're not functioning. If, if the members are functioning, if you have all these members who are functioning, then your church is going to be functioning and healthy because your members are functioning. Yeah, I think he, he identifies the problem. The, the weakness, of course, of a Baptist is he's not going to see the solution. The solution, which is the means of grace, which is uh, you know functioning, receiving the re- means of grace, and then also living in your vocation. Um, so you can see a, a weakness of the book, but then also you can see, well, he, he, he does have a pair of eyes, and he does see something, and... Uh, and and for us as as Lutherans looking at this material, we can say looking at our own congregation and say it's not necessarily a fault of our theology. It's always a fault of our selfish nature, our sinful nature, always wanting uh, to be things about me rather than turning everything outward and saying this. I want to be able to serve somebody else, and we can only we can only do that with with <laughs> without uh, with a realization that uh, of what God has done for us in Christ as God has forgiven us. God has provided for us in Christ. God has taken away our sins. God has given us heaven. Th- these are all things that are ours because of what Christ has done. Uh, we, and therefore we have the confidence to give our stuff away, give our time away, give our energy away to somebody else, because we know that this God who saved us is the same God who's going to take care of us. Yeah. And, and well, that'll be a little bit of a theme as we kind of give some critiques or responses to the book that, there's there's excellent points that are given, and there's so many important things that are brought up in his research, and and even just how the book is crafted. But a lot of times, I would I would put so much more gospel at the beginning, uh, and 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 focusing on how Christ does this, and how Christ serves us, and and how uh, he's the head of the church, and and some of these other things that we we're putting the gospel first because that's really what's going to motivate us, and. If if we don't really understand his grace and forgiveness, then then this this functioning even can become work righteousness. Or uh, it, it's I, I'm in, in a comparison or whatever. But if you're not filled with grace and filled with God's love and understanding the the reasons to be doing this, then uh, it it can can have a, a bad flavor at times. Yeah, exactly. We can turn into pietists, which is a for, for your dear listener, just basically saying we're all functioning Christian members, but I'm a little bit more functioning than you are, or we're all believers, but I'm a little bit better of a believer than you are because a I do this and you don't do that, or or b um, I uh, participate in this and you don't participate in that. 
So anything else you want to talk about with chapter one? Yeah, I think he has a really good question at the end where he says, uh, one of the ongoing questions you should ask yourself is, how can I best serve my church? Uh, you should never ask yourself if you should be serving your church. Now, one, one thing that we, we, we stress sometimes at, at Zion is we want people to serve cheerfully. We don't want people to be feel that they're forced to serve or I've been serving in this role and I'm exhausted and uh, you know I, I just need a break. That That's fine. It's, it's not saying you don't need a break or you, you need to be uh, feeling, you know, I'm, I'm letting people down or I have to be the one to do this. Because really, if you feel like you're the only one that can do this, then there's something wrong. God, you are important and you're an important part of the body, but we need to, to train other people and you shouldn't feel this burden that I have to do this. But I think the key is to say, I don't have to maybe serve in that way, but I'm always serving. Instead of saying, you know, uh, sh- uh, should I be serving? How can I serve? And even if it's in in a little way, I, I think just always thinking of how can I be serving in some capacity, and it, it might not be this huge way. It might not be if you were if you were on the leadership team or an elder or if you were. Uh, a Sunday school teacher, or all these other things. You don't have to feel the burden. I have to keep doing that thing, but saying, how can I serve? And and I think a key, uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that first. No, I was just going to say, where in the Bible does it say we can retire from being a member of God's church? <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it, and and to, to emphasize that everyone at, at, at different times in their life, you have so many different experiences and and. We've been emphasizing over and over to our younger kids that they're not the future of the church. They're part of the church now. You can serve now and you can be a witness and you can serve in different ways. But then to, to emphasize that I, I can serve and and being a part of the body of Christ, one other part that be, because it the book doesn't focus so much on the means of grace, it doesn't focus how much just being a part of worship and being... Um, in the word with others is such an encouraging thing. Your attendance in, in worship, your attendance in Bible study, you speaking to others, God's word is serving and participating and and really, really important. Just coming, just saying, I'm going to prioritize this time in my life and, and putting God first is is really important. Maybe you're not serving in a huge capacity, but you're functioning, which for for a lot of people being in church is it's hard like they, uh, one of the key things it says is uh about most churches are the books what was it three times how do you, how does it say uh the 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 numbers like the membership of your church is actually three times less than what it actually is so you you maybe have you know uh, 600 people that are members but about 200 of them are functioning. And that's how most churches are. Yeah. At the same time, we don't want to say that being a functioning church member just means you receiving the Lord's Supper or just you uh, coming to church because this is the, this is the fuel that enables you to do all the things, such as loving your neighbor, such as providing for somebody else in need, such as uh, talking to somebody else about Jesus the, or uh, reaching out to someone who hasn't been in church for a long time. So th- all of those things starts with the means of grace which i think in the book that that doesn't that that isn't the emphasis right so uh chapter two i will be a unifying church member tell us about that 
the the focus here and and the scripture that uh, we look a little bit at is is Colossians three, um, and and how how we're we're focusing on 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 bringing and 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 loving and and having a a, a humility, um, but to to see that. I don't want to be um, picking on everything. I want to 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 speak in love to others. Um, how do I build people up? And and this this one kind of goes with the the, the th- um, uh, third part too, where because it, it the third section deals with my preferences, and so it's hard to to kind of separate these two a little bit. Um, but a unifying church member. I, I'm going to um, build build up the church and and not seek to cause divisions, and and however that that is going to be, um, but to 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 say how how do I unite the church? How how do I bring everyone together instead of dividing? And the Colossians passage that you were talking about was Colossians three verses twelve to seventeen, right? Yeah. So therefore, as God's elect, holy and loved, clothe yourself with heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with one another, and forgive each other if anyone has a complaint against anyone else. <laughs> Can we just stop right there? Uh, forgive just as Christ forgave you. And in addition to all these things, put on love, which ties uh, things together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ control your hearts to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And everything you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I guess I was going to say put on everyone has a complaint against someone else. Isn't that something where, especially um, Will Harley has also noticed that sometimes when you give up something, like if you're going to be a functioning church member and you say, I, I can't do this anymore, I feel guilty, and then somebody else does it, and then they do it differently right. than you do. And then all of a sudden you say, well, you're not doing it the way that uh, it, it's always been done. I know for myself here at, at Emmanuel, where we had uh, so many years of vacancy, and before that we had a pastor who had, had cancer. And so a lot of the ministry things just fell apart and, and just disappeared. And so bringing ministry back has been much easier because there isn't a memory of how things are, have been done in the past. COVID is kind of like that in a, in a minister sense where everything shut down for a while and now things are starting up again. Now we can start with some some new things and that requires uh, the, the church of God to say, what is the most important thing? That it was done in the past, the way that it was done in the past, or that it is done now to serve God's people now? We just had a, a men's Bible study on Monday and we're, we just finished up Second Thessalonians. And what... Uh, at the end, it, it's, it speaks about don't give up uh, doing good. Don't become, um, let's, I forget the exact word, um, like don't let becoming good become tiresome. Um, because when you do good, when you are serving, often people are going to complain. And the, I think the key on here that, that is different than uh, the, the third one, if we bring up uh, Colossians again, the, the forgiveness aspect when when we're able to forgive, that brings uh, this this unity and peace. If if I'm able to forgive someone who has wronged me, then I can bring peace between that relationship. And 
you, you talk about this in, in marriage. What's one of the most important things in marriage to bring unity is confession and repentance and forgiveness. And, yeah, and forgiveness is always never saying what the person did is okay, just that right. we're giving up our self-perceived right to get even with that individual. Um, that's what forgiveness is. It's never saying, oh, that, that's okay that you did that. I, that's one of my pet peeves is when someone says, I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Well, it's never okay. Right. You know, what you did was was not okay. Uh, what matters is that you let go of this in the, in the relationship for the sake of unity to say, I, I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna hold this against you because you did this thing in the past. And I uh, just talked about this with my seventh and eighth graders in religion class. Was when when can we forgive someone? Do do they have to first come to me to say I'm sorry? Well, actually, I can forgive them first before they come and say I'm sorry, because then I'm I'm not holding on to anger and hate in my heart. And and God and and the key is that God has forgiven me. Uh, God has forgiven my huge debt, and so I should and need to forgive them. Now, if they're not sorry, if they don't think what they did is a sin, that, that of course is going to hurt your relationship. But more than that, it's going it's hurting their relationship with God. They're unrepentant of this sin, and so you know, uh, one of the kids asked about well, the 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 keys and 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 saying they're not forgiven. Well, we're, we're saying that mainly between them and God, but I need to forgive people. And when if you think about family and you think about the church, sometimes it's so much easier for us to forgive people who are random people. You know, I'm not going to see them again and they hurt me, but, you know, the, the person in the, driving in the car or at the store, like, you're angry, but, like, you don't see them again and you forget about it and, and whatever, it's done. But your family, who you know so well, and the people who are so close to you that they should know better and they they hurt you and they did this and it's so hard to forgive them and then the church members who they're christian they how how could they do this they know better and christian people shouldn't do this that's not what god's people do and so we have this animosity between each other and we're not forgiving and we hold these grudges and then the church is judgmental or all these other things and we need to forgive and love yeah the church is not a country club of people who have uh, excellent uh, resumes, spiritual resumes. It's a country club of pe- uh, not a, it's a hospital of people who are are sick. So you can you can worship with someone who has wronged you, has uh, has done something terrible to you. How powerful is that in our society that we can have people together who say, "Yes, you wronged me in the past, but I'm letting you go." In, and, and if that individual is repentant and uh, is forgiven, then you can stand side by side with that individual. You can commune with that individual. How powerful and strong is that uh, in a society, especially in our culture, count, um, uh, uh, cancel culture, where you did something in the past and now your future is com- is is going to be erased, is completely destroyed, where the church, the Christian church, is meant to be a place of about forgiveness of 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 un- that unifies us because we we all need forgiveness and we all have been forgiven through Christ and what He has done, and and a critique is, is something that. Some people often say of why they don't go to church is they say, well, the church is judgmental. That church is judgmental. Okay. And there, there's often, I think, uh, it's, it's a very complex with, with many things. Uh, you know, you have to look at all the different sides of it. When, when I think people say that, you know, there's sometimes truth to that. The church is made up of sinners. And so sinners are going to hurt people. They're going to say things. And are they judgmental at times? Yes. 
also there's there's times that maybe things are misheard or you know there's gossip which this section talks a lot about in the in the book um rainer really says you know no gossip or negative talk this is this is needs to be excluded but then to think sometimes when people are struggling with that the church is uh, a hypocritical judgmental place sometimes they're struggling with their own sin and and struggling to to come back to church because they think people are going to think this about them or they know that they did this thing and and really some of the people might, might not even know or or and it's the place that you need to go because that's again where you hear forgiveness and you need to work through these things with people too and 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 even forgive people if someone did hurt you at church in the body of Christ is where we can really forgive and have unity even with the disagreements even when there's been hurt if if we can't forgive in the church then where are we going to really forgive and find peace well said and and, and maybe one thing to add to this just uh, from uh, some of the the cultural things when when we talk about uh unity our, our world world is very diverse and and we just to say the church is this really cool place where every people of every language and culture can come together in unity where so many places are are looking for that uh and and we're united in Christ no matter what language no matter what uh <laughs> what you look like Christ unites us. We're the body of Christ, but more than that, uh, through through whatever, there, there's so many things that the world wants to divide us by. Uh, you you can name the list. We don't need to go through it. But the church unites us. The church unites us by by showing that we're all sinners. First, uh, we, we all have fallen short. Uh, we all don't deserve God's love, but He gives this love freely and by grace. And so we all stand condemned. But then we all stand united because he loves us all, no matter what we look like, no matter what language we speak. We are united by sin and grace, by the law and gospel. And so apart from, I think that's part of the gospel motivation, again, that maybe is lacking here. But God unites us. And so because of the gospel, his word unites us. And then we hopefully can be using his word and using his love, uh, seek to unite others and to to bring the church together no matter who they are. And and you can have uh, one of the... Uh, this maybe will go into the next chapter, so I won't go into that. Okay. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that I really appreciated what you said about the, the word of God is what unites us because I think in the book, maybe I was reading too much into it, but I know it definitely in our culture, unity is basically eliminating the things that divide us or eliminating the the differences and just trying to trying to reduce everything down to a a, a palatable uh, amount of doctrine where that isn't necessarily how God looks at unity and that unity is like you were saying is we are all there's a standard that's always the same for everybody and that standard is something that we can't keep and that standard is something that Jesus kept for us and so that that is what unifies us is Christ, not the fact that we've uh, taken away all the things that are offensive. And, and maybe as a, a little bit of a segue, I'll read one of the pledges, and then maybe we'll talk about how we maybe make some changes to it, or uh, kind of the again the Lutheran flavor that we give to this. So the the second pledge says, "I'm a church member. 
I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. In in my kind of comments or notes on on this, I I'd say forgive me for the times of my my gospel uh, of my gossiping and speaking poorly. Forgive me for the other times that I've I've hurt uh, others and speaking poorly or 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 sought to to divide. I think there there needs to be some some gospel in there. I mean it's it's all I will do this I will do this and there is the you know for the sake of the gospel, but. Uh, we we need some of that motivation of how and and why to do this and and I'm forgiven, I'm loved. I need to be reminded that when I've done this wrong, I'm forgiven. And so forgive me for the times I've done this. Let the gospel motivate me and help me to to unite, and and to be a um, someone who's using the gospel to to unite others as well. So would you say that if our dear listener is going to pick up this book by Tom, that they would look at this pledge as not as something that they should do, but something that they should pray? That, that's my encouragement, is it's more of a, a prayer, but then again, to add more gospel to it. But uh, I, I like them kind of a, as prayers of, of help me do this, because um, it can be very, you know, I need to do this. Uh, like uh, It's and, up to me. And it we want to do that, but we where's the motivation? Where's the power to do any of this comes from the gospel? And you can do that in prayer, but then even thinking about how can I uh, grow in this? How how can I help God and his word to strengthen me? How can I have other Christians helping me with this? And and thinking about just those means of grace that are going to help me to do these things. So one of kind of one of the critiques that we sometimes have is that, that Baptists or Reformed sometimes have, a, they have such great um, explanations of things, but they don't give you the how. And so they don't, they don't give you the connecting it to this or, you know, you, you stay, um, you know, your, your cell phone or whatever, you get powered <laughs> by the word. And so if, if you're not getting empowered, if you're not finding and, and being rooted in, in the gospel and the means of grace, and, and that also means being with other Christians because they're going to strengthen you in that, then how, how am I going to be able to do these things? All right, so finally, chapter three, part three, I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. This one is going to hit uh, folks hard, uh, going to hit folks hard because a lot of times we think about church as what it, it, it feeds me. You know, people leave the church because they'll say, well, it's not feeding me. It's not feeding the preferences or the desires that I have. Go ahead. I think one of the, maybe the easiest way to to talk about this chapter is to uh, speak about some of the dominant behaviors of of members who, uh, and I, I think it, he describes it as uh, churches that are uh, largely self serving and very focused inward, so they're they're not focusing outward, uh, and and the dominant traits here. Uh, There's ten of them, aren't there? I believe so. Uh, so I'll, I'll list these and then and then maybe we can and talk about a few of them. We'll go back to kind of the, the beginning and and the, the positive sides of this one. <laughs> but uh, these are the the dominant traits of of uh, kind of a self serving church. And maybe you can think about them and think uh, how this plays out not just at your church but in the church in general. 
uh, and, but in, in your hearts as well, maybe <laughs> one of the important parts. So the first is worship wars. Uh, second, prolonged minutia meetings. The uh, facility focus. Number four, program driven. Then inwardly focused budget. Inordinate demands for pastoral care. Attitudes of entitlement. Greater concern about change than the gospel. Anger and hostility. And even uh, evangelist. <laughs> having a hard time with that. Uh, evangelicalistic uh, apathy. So, I don't know if there's any of those you want to begin with. Well, we can start off with the worship wars. Yeah. Uh, which uh, which hymnal are we going to use? Yeah. And um, even even think you know what's your pastor look like up front? What does he have to wear? And it, one of, to, to be honest, one of the things I like about being in the wells is that. Especially, I mean, <laughs> where I grew up, um, it was a little bit different. You know, you had to travel about 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 50 minutes to get to another Wells Church, sometimes even longer. We had a, a church president who would drive an hour to come to church. Here, I mean, you have churches every 5, 10, 10 minutes, and then you're in some of the bigger cities, Appleton, Green Bay, and, you know, you go about three miles, two miles, and you got another church. But one thing that does offer is variety. Uh, whatever type of worship you can get. And and what what's nice is we have Lutheran worship, and that can come in different ways. Now, the problem is that sometimes people are more concerned about what that church is doing and that they're doing it wrong than actually being thankful that we're different. This going back to the body of Christ and that we're, we have different talents and uh, maybe we're reaching out to different people but th- there's this despite or this anger that that people are are doing things in this way when often people don't even know the whole story or they they hear one thing and they say, oh did you hear about this and they they barely know and then they gossip and spread and and it's just it, it's divisive and and hurts the church Worship wars can also be in a play in where you were t- mentioning all the churches uh, so close together. So someone would say, well, I don't like it that my church is using the this particular hymnal, the new hymnal, so I'm going to go to a church that is not using uh, the new hymnal. Or um, I don't like the fact that a uh, uh, pastor wears a white gown. I'm going to go somewhere where there's a pastor who wears a black gown. Um, just the idea of... Uh, Church is a, a place for where my preferences can be met, whereas instead of a place where my my needs are met in Christ and the means of grace. So it, I, I kind of spoke of the church as a, as a broader, but like I, I think uh, what we're stressing here is how this plays out in your church, and does it always have to match everything you want? And you know, a pastor is going to do things kind of how they are comfortable or what they're used to, and they might change it varying on what uh, the members really desire or like, but it doesn't always fit every desire you want. And, you know, the the introduction talks about the two members, and, and one of the the members, he's like, oh, the, the sermons that, you know, they're really lacking. I don't get anything out of the sermons. Well, are you paying attention? Um, you don't get anything out of the, the, the songs or I don't like the style or are, are you paying attention? Are you, are you listening to the music? Are, 
you know, and, and again, if, if you really do have an issue, if, if you're struggling with that, how do you handle that? I think is a big question. I know my own wife struggles with uh, paying attention in a sermon. And so her, the, what she did to keep her mind on track, cause her mind would just always, it's keep a journal. So she would start, she would sit down and she would write a journal about with the sermon and just, that just helped her to get the thoughts in place. I know for our, our sixth, seventh and eighth graders in confirmation, we do the same thing where I give them a sermon outline where they would, they'd have to fill it out just to kind of teach them uh, that sermon. Listen, listening to a sermon sometimes takes work. It, it takes a, a mental power on the receiver to, to understand and think through the things that the pastor is saying. So, and also, if if you're struggling understanding your pastor, there you can do something called talk to your pastor. You know, say, Pastor, I didn't get anything out of this sermon. And if there, if your pastor is a true pastor, a true shepherd in Christ, we'll say, let's sit down and talk about it, uh, because he's he's been eating this thing all week. He's been digesting this thing all week, and what comes out of his mouth is is a, a tiny fraction of what went into his mind and into his heart as he studied God's word. At least that's that's the hope, that's the ideal. And so if a pastor is worth their salt, is going to say, let's sit down and talk about it. Maybe maybe we can have a, a just a, a conversation together on a Monday or a Tuesday where we can think about and, and talk to you about the, the points of the sermon. And and then to stress that I, we have some other members who who uh, take a journal, uh, you know, and, and make notes. And one thing I've been trying to do more recently is have some sermon notes that I give out and has some blanks for the um, different parts of the sermon. And then on the back, there's even some questions for you to take home and kind of think about. Because I, I know that a good majority of our members don't make use of that, but I know there's some that that do. And and if I can help a few more people pay attention more or knowing it's kind of a, a teaching thing too, that different people learn in different ways. For some people, taking notes is going to be a distraction to them. Uh, they want to sit and they get a ton out of of, of listening. But other people, they're going to get distracted if they're not taking notes. And if and if you can can help them in that, then then great. But there there's different ways. So if you're you're struggling in that, um, that that's a way to to do that. Uh, it's to take some notes. I think a journaling is is a really good idea. Um, any other ones that we want to focus on here? Well, let's just go on to number two: prolonged minutia meetings. Uh, the church spends an inordinate time uh, in different meetings. Most of the meetings deal with the most inconsequential items. I, I have to chuckle at that one because a lot of times you have a, a meeting where, or I've had the experience where we're talking about some big ministry change, and it takes like five seconds. But then when we're talking about how are we going to uh, remove the snow on uh, on the Sunday, or what are we going to do for and I'm just using a snow example. It's not a really a real example here at Emmanuel Shirley, but just the idea of something really small that should be like five seconds takes a huge amount of time because people want their preference or their desire to be met. And so when there is a small change like that, there is a huge reaction. One of the, the things our church has done to, to try to get away from this and uh, I know my co-pastor spent a lot of time and uh, years uh, bringing about a new constitution and a new leadership plan where we have a new leadership team. And now we, we send out our, our meeting notes, all the reports beforehand, and then really try to focus on forward planning in our meetings. And then a lot of these other things can be done in uh, committees or other uh, things outside of those uh, leadership team meetings. 
if if your leadership team's at focusing on all these little just aspects, the next one is facility focus. Um, if if you're only focusing on how we're spending the money on or how we're going to fix this thing and kind of the, reacting to these things, you're not focused on the gospel. You're not focused on on serving. You're not forward looking. And so if you can get it so that your leadership is focusing forward and focusing on the gospel and evangelism. And uh, one of our big focuses is getting inactive people back into church and back into the word. And so we, we spend a lot of time on that. And and that's a gospel thing to get people who are, are not in the word into word. So if if your church is struggling on that, there, there's a lot of ways that you can do that to, to get refocused into uh, the the gospel oriented things and and if your leadership team is starting to do that then it should trickle down into your church and to say how can we focus on the gospel things instead of being so concerned about the color of this or this type of thing and this decision that in the long run those things don't matter spiritually yeah I think if if the church I think uh, part of this minutia problem I I think of examples in, in a congregation where let's bring it to the voters and it's like it's something that the council has been thinking about for three or four months, and then you're going to bring it to the voters who are going to be thinking about it for five to ten minutes, and they're the ones that are going to make the decision. Why don't we trust that our council is going to make the decision and and going to carry these things out instead of trying to make it about, uh, well, we don't want to do anything that the voters don't want to do, or we're so respectful of the voters' assembly that it's actually shooting us in the foot because we aren't actually doing the ministry that's being done by those who are thinking it through in that particular area, and we're forcing the voters to have um, to think about something that others have thought about for a long period of time. And and I think you know some of these I think deal a little bit more with leadership and and kind of the the whole aspect of the church, but I think some of these are facility focused and the minutia things. I think people have to think about these things personally. What am I concerned about when I go into church and what is bothering me? Um, you know, there, there's certain things. One of our big uh, mantras at, at church is to, to get more Jesus to more people more often. Okay. And, and what are ways that we can do that? Now, some of those decisions might upset people who have been going there for a long time or, they people might say, well, that that's not necessary. We've been doing this for a long time, and and we don't need that. But maybe people who are new or who have never come, this will help them get to the gospel. Uh, this is a distraction, or this is helpful for families, families with young kids, that we really want to be welcoming into our church. And so, not just as a, as a leadership team, as a church, but how how you personally. When you walk into church, when you're sitting there, when you're in Bible studies, are you focused on the gospel and and saying, you know, is this about my desires and what I feel is super important? Or am I focusing on how to get Jesus to more people? Am I focusing on how Jesus is talking to me, how the word is talking to me, or am I letting this one thing bother me? And, And maybe... To, to go back to something uh, Dave mentioned in, in his podcast before about the marks of discipleship, <clears throat> one of the, the marks was denying oneself. That's the, the first one. And, and this one really goes to this, this key point here, this uh, I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. Uh, Dave made the point that uh, whoever wants to be a part of 
uh, a church is, is asked to deny themselves. And in, in membership, you think of like, uh, I think your quote was something about who wants to be a part of a club where you're in a constant battle with yourself. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, um, yeah, so when Jesus says, whoever wants to follow me, uh, whoever wants to be my disciple must pick up their cross and follow me. And it's uh, who wants to be a part of a group that means that because we are a follower of Christ, that means we're denying our own, what we want, our own selfish desires, what, and are constantly thinking about what is best for my neighbor or what is what does God want me to do? Um, this is a real struggle, and it is not easy, and it is not something that gets easier over time, if I'm going to be really honest, because we have a sinful nature that's going to, isn't just going to say, oh, oh, you're a Christian now, I'll just take a back seat, or I'll just, I'll just, uh, you've got, you've got, you're going to be saved because of Christ, and I'm just not going to, not going to stop you, or I'm not going to stand in your way. Our sinful nature is always asserting itself and, and, and wanting to shake, shake its fist at God. And so it will um, constantly, constantly be leading us away from Christ and, and what he has done. And so it requires us also to constantly uh, deny what is our, in our own nature in, in favor of what it, God has created us in Christ. This chapter, it starts out uh, speaking about how the disciples even struggled with this. You know, this, this is sinful nature, but the people closest to Jesus, we, we, we see how the disciples fight about who of them is greatest and who can sit at, at, at Jesus's right hand, okay? So, so the disciples who were next to Jesus, they, were, they couldn't get this through the head. They didn't understand it, and they were, were being selfish as well. But to, to think of how can I serve, how, how can I say, I'm not going to get my way so that, that God can be proclaimed, that Jesus can be proclaimed, and that, that others can get to know Jesus. And, and, you know, inside the church and outside the church and, and, and everywhere of, of putting others first and, and not making it all about me is so important. Uh, I, th- I think he has a, is a, a good quote here about uh, the servant, uh, being a servant, because, you know, we can focus so much kind of on, uh, I think, that, that list of 10 things uh, it focuses a lot on, um, you know, the, the, the whole, um, but then to, to bring it back to ourself and then to maybe at the end, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the emphasis of the gospel uh, in that. But the servant, he says, we will never find joy in church membership when we are constantly seeking things our way. But paradoxically, we will find the greatest joy when we choose to be last, is what Jesus meant when he said the last will be first. True joy means giving up our rights and preferences and serving everyone else. And, and again, this is so countercultural. We think, I need to get my way. And um, we're doing a, a, a marriage devotional this year on the meaning of marriage. And uh, one of the things that the book does really well is it talks about how in marriage, every it's such a, a good example of, of love and Christian love because I'm constantly ha- have the decision to either um, get my own way or to love and serve my family, either my wife or my kids. And you're, you're constantly serving and loving and not about my preferences and desires. Sometimes it is, but especially when you're asked, but to, how do I serve and love others? And that's in marriage. But then think about that in the church. How can I say, 
you know, this, this is what I prefer, but you know, what's more important is, is getting the gospel out. And and that's kind of the, the last things on, on that list is greater concern about change than the gospel and, and, and not being concerned about the gospel when we're so concerned about our facilities and so concerned about just the, uh, I'm missing the word now, the, the structure, what's it called? Um, um, corporate or, um, Institutional. Institutional. When, when we're so concerned about the institutional things and not concerned about individuals and loving individuals and getting the gospel to people, then I, I'm making it about myself. Yeah. Uh, people can be thinking about uh, bringing people into church. We need to have a school so that we have uh, people coming into our church rather than how can we share the gospel. Or maybe we're going to have a school so that they'll, they'll maybe, maybe... You know, but what really what's important is that our school numbers are high, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so that and I, yeah, it it is a. Uh, you said it so well. How can we? And your church does that as well. Where this is, how can we bring Jesus to more people more often, and and have Jesus be the real reason why we are here, rather than trying to keep an institution going. And maybe the. Uh, the gospel and the, the passage to focus on here is Philippians 2. Uh, and this focuses on Christ's humility. And and a big thing in, in this is it's it's not just his example. Uh, and, and, and this is where we can often find, uh, run into trouble when we say, oh, this is the model. It's so much more than that. He, he left heaven to, to come to earth, to live among us and to die, die and to be beaten and to, to be harassed and all these things to save you. Uh, and, and, and he, he, he took on human flesh to, to be your savior. And so this is the, the love that he, he came to be our savior. And so I can empty myself because he loved me and he forgave me and, and he did these things for me. Yes, it's a great example, but more than that, this, this has the power to actually change me because he's my, my savior and he has done this in ways that I will never do and I can't do. And so he was perfect when I haven't been and when I can't be. Well said. I like it when people talk about Jesus. Uh, we are getting to 58 minutes of our podcast. Uh, James, do you want to come back again and finish up? Yeah, we'll see if we can do that. If we can do that. I, I can definitely tell. I know people have always said you should... Uh, put your podcast on YouTube where people can uh, watch you while you do the podcast. And I always tell people I have a face for radio and then I also have a voice for print. Um, but your voice is very good uh, to hear very pleasing, easy on the ear. So thank you very much for coming today and we will uh, talk again later. We'll continue our conversation on the book and perhaps talk more about uh, what your congregation is doing. And, uh, and uh, we'll join with you next time. And until then, um, dear, dear listener, as I get my uh, music ready here and queued up, dear listener, you live free in Christ. I live as a member of this Christ body, motivated by Christ to look at others as, as people that can receive more of Christ. Mm-hmm.